In a moment, Dave will be speaking, continuing our sermon series from 1 Peter. Uh, But let's first hear our Bible reading, which today is being read by Hope. You'll find it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace, in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised for Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So this morning we continue our series looking at 1 Peter chapter 4. And we begin with these very sobering words in verse 7. The end of all things is near. I wonder what is your favourite apocalyptic end-of-the-world movie? Are you an Armageddon as opposed to a deep impact sort of person? Maybe it's War of the Worlds, maybe it's Day of the Triffids, maybe it's Mad Max, maybe it was the terrifying A Quiet Place. I can't remember a film that has scared me quite that much. Apparently there is a sequel out due this year and I'm not sure that my nerves can cope with it. Or maybe like me, you're more of a sort of the day after tomorrow or Independence Day sort of movie buff. The scene of the Statue of Liberty floating through New York after the tsunami has hit the Big Apple is one of the iconic scenes of that film as climate change plays out its consequences and effects on the uh, majority of North America. And then there is Independence Day with Will Smith um, kicking E.T.'s butt and smoking a cigar immediately afterwards. Well, about two months into the lockdown associated with the global pandemic, people started to realise that going forwards, writing and filming and producing films like that was going to be more problematic. Because the reality was that faced with a global pandemic, faced with an almost apocalyptic shutdown, people hadn't responded as they were portrayed in films like that. There was no rioting in the streets. There was no fleeing for the hills. The only panic buying was due to the shortage of toilet rolls or the people in Morningside and Stockbridge realising that things were really getting serious because of the shortage of olives in Waitrose. The reality was that most people behaved kindly and generously in lockdown. It wasn't like the movies at all. That phrase, the end of all things, implies the end of the world. And people do tend to panic when faced with such a prospect. But what Peter, this early Christian leader, is actually talking about is not the space-time continuum coming to an end, shuddering to a halt as God, who has begun the renewal of all things, brings things to an end, but actually God who is committed to and has begun the renewal of all things in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, continuing to renew the creation itself in the lives of people who share in the new life that Jesus offers and brings. 
But Peter knows human nature. He's utterly realistic. And so what we're looking at this morning are four or five instructions that are utterly practical and realistic. Firstly then in verse 7, the end of all things, Peter writes, is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. It's been said that if Peter had come from Glasgow, he'd have said, keep the heed. Peter knows what people are like and Peter knows what people are still like. Faced with the end of all things, we panic and lose a sense of perspective and proportion. And if we're honest, that has included quite a few Christians and theologians in the history of the church whenever the second coming of Jesus has been discussed. Peter says, be alert and be of a sober mind. Why? So that you can pray. It's harder to pray if your mind is muddled if your heart is anxious, and if you've lost sight of who God and we really are. So Peter says, be alert and have a sober mind. Secondly, verse 8, Peter says, love deeply. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Peter knows personally the power and strength of love, forgiveness, and mercy. He'd experienced it firsthand from Jesus, as following his denial of Jesus three times by a fire the night before Jesus died, Peter had then been reinstated three times by Jesus following a cooked breakfast by a lake. Peter knows that love is not a covering up, but love is a transforming power as truth is lovingly confronted, addressed, and then forgiven. Again, it was Peter who had been blown away by Jesus' standard of forgiveness. How many times Peter had said to Jesus, should I forgive my brother or sister? Seven times? And Jesus had raised the bar and kept going by saying, actually, it's 70 times seven. 490 times. That's how many times you need to forgive your brother or sister. I wonder who do you need to forgive today. Maybe someone who has really started to annoy you as lockdown eases. The reality is that increasingly people are tired and irritable and some of our patience is wearing thin. Sometimes it's with strangers at the shops, sometimes with people who aren't adhering to the guidelines in the way that we think they should, whether being more cautious or more lax. Sometimes it's people within our households who are just getting right up our noses. Maybe over the last four or five months, a rift or family breakdown has started to become more obvious and greater as communication has become more complicated. If that's the case for you, then you aren't alone. Calls to relate and family lawyers have soared. Peter, who knew what it was to be forgiven, urges his listeners, his readers, to love each other deeply to forgive. And then thirdly, verse 9, he says this, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, he is utterly realistic. Culturally, hospitality was and is really important in the Middle East. 
Peter encourages the church to open their homes, but not out of obligation. It's been said that a definition of hospitality is making people feel at home when you wish they were at home. I can still remember two families in particular that just after Kathy and I had got married opened their homes to us. One family even gave me a key so that I could let myself into their home. In the first two years of our marriage we would turn up and crash tea time midweek for a family of seven or interrupt a family of fours gathering after church for supper. It was only years later that we realized how incredibly costly it was for that family of seven who were struggling to make ends meet suddenly to have to feed two extra people who'd gate crash tea time on a Wednesday night. Again, it was years later that we found out that that family of four had saved up those desserts. They've saved up those bits of cheese for a special family supper only for the Richards to gate crash on a Sunday evening after church. But they gave us an incredibly powerful statement of what hospitality looked like. The love of strangers that Peter refers to here, the Greek word is philoxenos. It's the opposite of the fear of strangers, xenophobia. It's still relevant today. As Christians, we're called to love and make at home the stranger, the foreigner, the exile, the refugee. And remember that Peter has called these Christians exactly that throughout this letter, exiles and strangers. I know one church in Edinburgh that at the moment has challenged its members to have watch parties for church online. And not just to invite the usual suspects, perhaps their connect group, into their homes, two or three households together, following the guidelines, not singing, but sharing in lunch together. And this church has said, well, why not just invite the people that you, not just invite the people that you know, and the people that you like, and the people who like you. Why not deliberately and intentionally go out of your way to invite people that you don't know? Maybe invite people that you don't like. It's been uncomfortable for them, but I think it's a reflection of what Peter is talking about here. Offer hospitality without grumbling. And then fourthly and finally, Peter says, wrapping it all up, Use whatever gifts you've been given, verses 10 and 11. It's very tempting, faced with the end of all things, to retreat and withdraw, to raise the drawbridge and hunker down. Peter says, use the gifts that you've been given. And he highlights two gifts at opposite ends of the spectrum, speaking and serving. One up front and public, one unseen and private. One often elevated as being more important than other gifts. One that is often looked down upon and seen as being less valuable or insignificant. Peter says, use whatever gift you've been given because actually all the gifts are as important as each other. Whether it's speaking or whether it's serving. Both are to be used, he says, for God's glory. If you speak, speak as if you are speaking God's words. If serving, we'll do it in God's strength, not your own. 
In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 3, just a few verses before the ones that we're looking at today, Peter had listed the negatives of how people used to live. Drunken debauchery, lust, orgies. It sounds like the worst ever freshers week at university. But here in these verses that we've looked at today, he gives a positive alternative. Think clearly. Pray with perspective and proportion. Love generously. Forgive extravagantly. Be hospitable without moaning and serve. Serve whether it's up front or behind the scenes and do it all to the glory of God. Peter is painting a picture of an alternative society, of a Christian community whose quality of life together is different to the world around them. Faced with the end of all things, he doesn't say, be more spiritual. He doesn't say, read the Bible more. He doesn't say, be more pious. He says, think clearly, pray with perspective, love generously, forgive extravagantly, be hospitable, open your homes and serve, whether it's up front or whether it's behind the scenes. If we're going to live these lives that are distinctively and attractively different, we're going to need God's help to do so. Let's pray together. And maybe just now, you are somebody who needs that sense of clarity restored. You need reminded of who God is. You need reminding of who you are in Christ. Perhaps you've lost that sense of perspective and proportion. You've lost sight of who is in charge of the world. Your life has started to be dominated by news of the virus or perhaps even fear and anxiety. Maybe that word forgiveness is a word for you today. You need to forgive someone. Somebody at work, somebody in your household, somebody in your family, somebody in your friendship circle. Maybe you even, even need to forgive yourself. Maybe for some of us, we need to hear again that reminder to open our hearts and open our homes. Maybe even to repent of, of racism or a fear of strangers or foreigners. Maybe we need to begin or perhaps restart to use the gifts that God has given us for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, patient and loving. Thank you that you long to pour your life into us, that we might live those lives that are distinctively different. Father, where our clarity needs restoring, where our vision needs renewing, where we need to see again who you are, would you help us to be of a sober mind? Father, where we need to love and forgive extravagantly, would you give us the generosity of spirit and the courage and the strength, perhaps, to lovingly confront the truth in other people or perhaps in ourselves and then be willing to forgive and be forgiven? 
Would you help us to be reminded this morning of the need to open our homes and our hearts? Maybe as we've reflected on the Black Lives Matter campaign and the response to so many racist events in the US but also in the UK, Lord, we need to repent of our attitudes. We need to confess our racism and we need to ask for your healing. And then finally, Father, would you enable us to identify and to use the gifts that you have given to us, that they might be used for the extension of your kingdom, that we might see you glorified in the way that we speak, in the way that we serve, seen or unseen. Father, help us by the power of your Spirit to live lives that are distinctively and attractively different. In Jesus' name, amen.